1: Remember when we studied Joshua, right before they crossed the River Jordan, Joshua told them basically the same thing. You're going into the promised land. Get ready. Get ready. Cleanse yourself, wash yourself, sanctify yourself, consecrate yourself. Something that they had to do. They had to be ready to go in to this land, to occupy it. Throughout the entire Bible, we see God choosing men and choosing women and even nations
0: to do his will. All throughout the Bible, whenever God was delivering his people, he always challenged them to consecrate themselves. Today, Pastor Dave will be exhorting you to live a repentant lifestyle and to live a set apart and holy life unto the Lord. Jesus is coming to deliver you from this world, purpose to prepare yourself. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 1 as he begins his message, A Voice Crying in the Wilderness.
1: You are assured. Since 1916, the motto of the Boy Scouts comes from a Swiss wording called Alzerit Anybody know what it means? Be prepared. That's the English version. The Swiss version was always prepared. But we've translated it now into our English and made it be prepared. The third part of the guide for scouting explains the motto this way. To be prepared means preparation. Preparation is an act of making ready. It's an act of getting ready for an event. To the scouts, being prepared means to always be in a state of readiness in mind and body. To be prepared in mind means having the discipline to be obedient to every order and also to have the to have thought out beforehand any accident or situation that might occur so you will do the right thing at the right moment and be willing to do so. This is all from the Scouting Handbook. To be prepared in body means to make yourself strong and active and to be able to do the right thing at the right moment. Interesting words. Interesting words. Have you ever noticed, though, that any great work of God also begins with preparation? Any great work of God begins with, with preparation. I mean, when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and they came to the mountain to see God, God was actually going to appear to them. And the day before, Moses told them to get yourselves ready. Cleanse yourselves. Wash yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Get ready to meet God. Remember when we studied Joshua, right before they crossed the River Jordan, Joshua told them basically the same thing. You're going into the promised land. Get ready. Get ready. Cleanse yourself. Wash yourself. Sanctify yourself. Consecrate yourself. Something that they had to do. They had to be ready to go in to this land, to occupy it. Throughout the entire Bible, we see God choosing men and choosing women and even nations to do His will. In each instance, God also prepared the hearts and the minds and sometimes even the bodies of the men, women, and nations he chose. He prepared them in many, many ways, but specifically and mainly, he prepared them through his word. God prepares us through his word. God spoke to the minds and the hearts of these people, and they in turn were obedient to his call much like the Boy Scouts being ready to do any order, any command that we're given. Preparation is important to God. Being prepared is important to God. And being prepared to see God, to meet God, to be in His presence is extremely important. Extremely important. In our verses that we're studying today, the Apostle John once again turns his attention to the testimony of John the Baptist. We already were introduced to John the Baptist earlier in the chapter. If you remember, John the Baptist was born into a priestly family. His father, Zechariah, was a priest belonging to the tribe of Levi. And if you remember, John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus Christ, born some six months before. And it's interesting that both John the Baptist and Jesus were miracle babies. Babies of promise. Both died in their early 30s. John's parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, like Abraham and Sarah, like Hannah, were older and never had children. While we know Mary's story, she was a virgin and conceived the Son of God through the Holy Spirit. But God had already began, God had already began, God had already begun his plan for redemption long before Jesus' miraculous birth. The prophets foretold of a coming Messiah. All through the Old Testament, you read of a coming Messiah, one that would come, one that would redeem Israel, one that would be the intermediary between Israel and God, people and God, one that would come. The message has always been the same. Azarit, be prepared. For centuries, the prophets screamed this. The prophets were killed for this. We know from previous verses, like verses 6 through 8, when we studied them, John the Baptist was sent by God to bear witness of the light, the true light that had come. He was sent with a message, prepare the way for the Lord. This was the message of John the Baptist. And this is the message I want to bring to you today as we make it applicable to our lives today. Let's go back and look at verses 19 and 20. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. The nation of Israel was longing for a Messiah. Sadly, they still are. They're longing for a Messiah, the one who was foretold that would come. They wanted to be liberated from the Romans. They wanted to be given freedom. So the leadership, the Sanhedrin, the council, the Pharisees said, hey, maybe this Baptist fellow, you know, the one that runs around in crazy clothing, looks like a prophet, eats honey and locusts, you know, that crazy guy out in the the desert? Who knows? He could be the one. Some of you guys go out and ask him that question. Don't you love it how a group of guys always in charge send someone else to ask the questions that they want to know? Why is that? I don't understand that. So, these Jews went out. They were priests. They were Levites. And they went out to ask John. They were sent to find out who he was. Look at their question. It was simple. Who are you? Who are you? Verse 20, we read that John immediately, immediately, doesn't even hesitate. He frankly and emphatically denies that I am not the Christ. I am not him. He denies that. I am not the Christ. He immediately confesses that he is not the long promised Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel. Now, suppose this was you or I. I mean, if I was John the Baptist and they asked me who I was, I'd say, What do you mean, who I am? Don't you know who I am? What do you mean you don't know who I am? I'm a priest, I'm a prophet. I was miraculously born to Elizabeth and Zechariah. I've been called by God. I've been chosen by God. I've been sent by God. I'm the one that Isaiah and Malachi prophesied. I'm the forerunner of the Messiah. That's who I am. John didn't do that. John did not do that at all. John simply and eloquently and quite quietly says, I'm not the Christ. Brothers and sisters, may I say this? This is when we find our true identity. When we come to the realization that we are not the Christ. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, yo, Dave, I don't think I'm the Christ. I don't think that way. Oh, really? Really? You think you can handle your own life? Are you in charge of your own life? You work at your job perfectly all by yourself. You raise your children all by yourself and say, look what I did on your own experiences. Or maybe you can work at your marriage and relationship because you have your own ability. If this is you, guess what? You're saying, I'm the Christ. You're saying that. But if you realize that you're not the Christ then you can be the person who spends significant time in prayer because you know the Word of God. You know Jesus saying in John fifteen five, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know that. John the Baptist knew that. When you come to this realization, when you put away your can-do attitude, sorry, Navy. When you put away your can-do attitude. When you put away your can-do mentality. And you realize that you can do nothing apart from Christ. I believe that is when the true Christian life begins. I believe that is when true Christianity meets the road. And may I add, that is when you've experienced the true freedom of Jesus Christ. When you realize that you're just not all it that Christ is your all in all. And yes, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. When we rest and we trust in the finished work of the cross that there is absolutely nothing else we have to do, wow, the freedom that exists in that is incredible. (laughs) guys had a great teaching on that specific topic yesterday. Trusting and resting on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is so important. So important. But in verse 21, the question continues. In question, look at verse 21. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. Are you Elijah? No. No. Are you the prophet? Now, what are they speaking of here? Moses in Deuteronomy 18, 18 predicted and prophesied that a prophet would come. A prophet would come. They're saying, are you that prophet? And John said, no, I am not. I am not. And there must have been some frustration on their part. There must have been some frustration on their part because they look around and they go, well then, if you're not Elijah... And if you're not that prophet, then who in the heck are you? Who are you? Then, And look at verse 22. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give answer to those who sent us. Why? What do you say about yourself? It's this they're saying, hey, John, we've been sent by some pretty important people, and they want some answers here. They want some answers, so who the heck are you? Tell us so we can go back and report to them. We don't want to go back looking like Moses and go, we don't know who he is. We want to have some things to say. Tell us, please. John's answer is nothing less than astounding. It is nothing less than astounding. Let's read verse 23. He said, John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. John not only knows who he is not, but he knows exactly who he is. He knows his calling. He knows what he is supposed to do. He is not the Christ. He is just a voice. A voice crying in the wilderness. And here John the Baptist quotes from Isaiah 40 verse 3. This was John's identity, and he was extremely happy. He could have thrown all kinds of things out there, like we said. He could have said, hey, he's my cousin. I know this guy. He didn't use any of that. He said, I'm just a voice. And he pointed to the prophet Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah, still respected to these days as one of the greatest prophets. But little did they know that Jesus will call John the Baptist the greatest prophet. A voice crying out in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord. So many of you have come to me. So many of you are searching. Who am I? What's my identity. Who am I? We go through crisis after crisis. We go through search after search. And we look in all the wrong places. We're searching for that perfect job, the perfect place to live. We're searching for that perfect mate. What should I do? Where should I go? Who should I go with? It's a constant game that we play in our mind. We must come to the realization that no matter where we work, no matter where we are, no matter who we are with, we are not the Christ. We are not Elijah. We are not the prophet. We are simply a voice. And that voice is meant to talk to whomever comes our way about the person, nature, and soon return of Jesus Christ. That is what we are called to do. Did you know that wilderness is a pretty important word in the Bible? It's there there some 306 times in the Bible. Wilderness. So I looked it up. Wilderness means a wild, uninhabited, and uncultivated region. But it also can mean a confused mass. It can mean a confused mass or a collection of a confused mass. It can be something characterized by bewildering vastness, perilousness, and unchecked profusion. Now, the big word profusion simply means quantities. So, to quote the Coneheads, we live in a time of mass quantities of confusion. There's mass quantities of confusion going on in our lives, folks. Mass quantities. We live in perilous times and my fear is is that we will become complacent. Now that most of us have gotten our way in the election as if we had something to do with it. I don't want to see complacency come over the church. Jesus is still getting ready to return. We must not be lackadaisical. John's message today is as important as it was when the apostle John recorded it. Be prepared. Be in preparation. Make straight the way to the Lord. John's message is simply make straight, prepare, make smooth, clear the way for the Lord, a voice calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make a smooth place in the desert, a highway for our God. Interesting that make smooth in the Old Testament is the word yashar. It means to be right, to be straight, to be level, to be upright, to be just, to be lawful, be smooth. This is not a small significant message in the least. This is a major announcement. This is a major pronouncement. John is preparing them. Get prepared. Your Messiah is coming. Your Messiah is coming. And when we get to verse 29, not only is John going to say, Get ready. Your Messiah is coming. There he is. This is huge, folks. This is huge. The Messiah is coming. The deliverer is at hand. He's coming. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The same words that Jesus will say throughout his ministry. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Through John, God is calling the people to ready themselves for the coming deliverer, for the Messiah. Clear the way for the Lord. Prepare yourselves for this long awaited arrival. And dare I say, we need to prepare ourselves for his long awaited return because Christ is coming. See, John had a deep concern that God's people are not prepared to meet him for salvation. See, in the Old Testament, God was bringing his children out of captivity and pointing the way. And now, God was coming to them. God was coming to his people with redemption. He was coming to accomplish the task of redeeming the world to him. The Lord of heaven and earth is making an appearance. Be prepared. See, think about this. If Jesus was merely a man, his arrival wouldn't necessitate any significant preparation, would it? Oh, well, if he was coming to your house, maybe you'd like to you know, sweep the dust under the rug or something like that. But this was a call given to, to God's people before the times. Listen to Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Habakkuk 2, 4. Behold, as for the proud one... Pride is the greatest enemy of man, by the way. His soul is not right, not made straight within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. The prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 5, 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. John's cry is important today, folks. John's cry is important today. We know that the Lord is coming again for his church. We know the Lord is coming again. We know that from Scripture. We know that. We studied that. So the question has to be, are you prepared for his return? Are you prepared? Have you made your way straight? And are you a voice crying in this wilderness to help others find their way? Find their way back. Now, I know that we're all saved. Now, I know that the Lord will take us whether we're ready to or not because he comes as the thief of the night. But I think we should prepare ourselves in several ways. And the first way is to strengthen our faith in his promise. His promise is that I'm going to come for you. Remember, he promised a crown to all those who long for his appearing. The more we learn, the more we will long. That's why we study his word line by line, verse upon verse, so that we know God. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, once again we see this. The ark has been returned, or the ark is at at Kirjath Jerim, and Samuel now is judging Israel. And in verse, verse 3, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve Him only and He will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. This is what we need to do, folks. We need to put away the things that are hindering us. We need to discard those things that have come into our lives, that we have allowed in our lives, a little bit of compromise that has snuck in. We need to get rid of it, send it out, send it on its way so that we can be prepared to meet the Lord. Samuel was saying, okay, nation Israel, it's time to come to repentance. You're going to repent inwardly through your heart. Yes. And if you're repenting inwardly through your heart, I can't tell whether you're repenting or not. I believe you're repenting. But then, you show me that you repented in your heart outwardly by your actions. Your actions show that you have repented inwardly in your heart. In your heart. And I can't help, I cannot help myself to go back to the name of the movie. Come on. Fireproof. I had to get it up front. Fireproof. His wife caught him on the computer in pornography. He said he gave up the pornography and he never did. And then one day, the Lord really broke his heart. He took the computer out and put it in a trash can and beat the snot out of it with a baseball bat. Those are actions that prove true repentance. That's what I'm saying. Those are actions that prove true repentance. Prepare ourselves. We must make a way straight for the Lord. We must clear a path directly to the Lord, ridding ourselves that anything would come in our way. And that's what he said, just like what Joshua said before they went across. Put away the idols from your fathers. Put those away. Choose this day who you will serve. Put away those things. Get rid of anything that's going to come between you and the Lord. When Jesus talks about this in John 14, one to three, he says, you trust in God, trust in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that where also may be where I am, that you may also be where I am. You are a sure hope.
0: The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek Him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow Him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening. You realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609 609- Eight eight four five eight two one. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how He can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.